Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. Again, we are so glad that you chose to join us today. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to jump into part three of our covenant series. And today's message is actually going to be entitled Honoring the Process. Now, many people short circuit their heavenly call because they fail to embrace God's character development process in their lives. Yet our covenant relationships actually help keep us on track during these processes. So our focus today is going to be this, that we will better understand covenant when we know that it is meant to help develop the character of God within us. We're going to break down the message into three parts. We're going to talk first about honoring the process. Secondly, we're going to talk about covenant process and character. And then finally, we're going to talk about the Lord of the process. So before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your covenant promises to us, and we thank you that it's through process that you bring us into them. God, we're asking you that you would help us to embrace that process today by the power of your word and the encouragement of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's start by talking about honoring the process. Today, we're going to start with this thought that we must learn to honor the process that God has to bring us into his covenant purposes. And we're picking up in the life of the Israeli hero, David, who was the second king of Israel, but at the time of our reading was actually on the run from murderous King Saul. Now, King Saul was actually appointed by God to be Israel's first king. But because of his perpetual disobedience, God rejected him as king and actually was raising up David to be his successor. Now, we're picking up here in understanding how David went from being uh, anointed king of Israel as Saul's successor to actually assuming the role of his kingship, the lessons he had to learn and the process that he had to go through. So if you have a Bible today, let's read in 1 Samuel chapter 24, starting in verse 1. It said, when Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it is, shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks your harm. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. 
I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As a proverb as of the ancient says, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? May the Lord therefore judge and give sentence between me and you, and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I. For you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dealt well with me, in that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Now, this is a very important passage for us understanding the dynamics of covenant and the process through which God brings us into his covenant promises. So what is God teaching us and what can we learn from this example? Well, there will always be moments in your life when you want to take your destiny into your own hands. And most people have some measure of ambition in life. Some of that ambition is inspired of God. Much of it, however, is not. And there is a difference between being anointed for a task by God to execute a task and actually having the capacity to steward it well. I want you to think about that. Now, before God allowed David to become king, he would take David through a process to learn godly leadership. And could it be that you find yourself today where you find yourself is in a similar season of process and character development. Now, David's men were ready for David to fulfill a position. God, however, wanted David to go through a process. And we all need to be careful of peers who are trying to puff up our heads to the exclusion of God's wisdom from those who've gone before us. In their impatience, our peers, like David's men, often don't know what they don't know or what we need to know to fulfill our call successfully in God. Now, David's men said of Saul when he was in the cave that it was time for David to kill Saul and assume the throne that God had promised to David. David's men were looking only to their ambition to interpret the situation and not to the ways of God. 
And the ways of God are important because as Moses prayed when he was leading the Israelites out of their slavery in Egypt, he said to God, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people, meaning that God had given Moses a task, but Moses knew he would need God's favor and God's ways to fulfill them. David had that recognition and we need to have that same recognition as well. David's men had the right goal that David should be made king, but the wrong process. Yet David was convicted by the Holy Spirit when he cut off a piece of Saul's robe, getting close enough to threaten Saul's life. Now, when we don't trust God in, pro in the process, it's sin. But why is it sin? And for those of you who might not have grown up in church, what in fact is sin? Well, I like how a man named John Piper, who's a theologian and pastor and author, wrote about it. And it was actually recorded in a song that a friend of mine recently exposed me to. And he said this, saying, what is sin? It is the glory of God not honored, the holiness of God not reverenced, the greatness of God not admired, the power of God not praised, the truth of God not sought, the wisdom of God not esteemed, the beauty of God not treasured, the goodness of God not savored, the faithfulness of God, even in process, not trusted, the commandments of God not obeyed, the justice of God not respected, the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not cherished, the presence of God not prized, the person of God not loved. That is sin. And all of these descriptions are characteristic of us when we don't trust God in the process as the commander of our destinies. Yet David rose above this when he corrected his posture towards Saul after cutting off a piece of Saul's robe. But we have to ask ourselves the question, where did David get such a thought that he was in error? And why did David come to repentance? Well, David got this thought from the word of God in which he was commanded to base his convictions. And in Exodus 22:28, God said through Moses, you shall not revile God nor curse a ruler of your people. And this did not mean that David agreed with everything that King Saul did as a leader, or even more that God approved of it. God had left Saul and had already pronounced judgment on Saul, and it was only a matter of time before this was seen. If David, though, had been willing to forcibly take the kingship by killing God's anointed in King Saul, David would have been setting a precedent for the forcible insurrections that we see modeled in godless monarchies throughout history. Maybe you remember several of them from your history classes. What David was learning was how to trust God through the process to bring him into the covenant promises in his life. 
And this would create in David the character he needed for true leadership that was actually blessed by God. Now, what you see in David's kingship is a recurring theme of success and triumph. And David was able to experience this because God was with David. And that's what all of us want in all of our endeavors. We never just want to know about God. We never just want to recite things about God. We want a relationship with God where God is pleased to be with us. And that's what David had, meaning that David was living in God's pleasure. And it would have been a sacrifice of this standing if David forsook the pleasure of God for an expedited ascension to the throne through ungodly means. Yet do we truly believe that it is God who's actually lifting one man or woman up in society, whether it be in your workplace, in our governments, or in our households, and bringing down another? Or have we put our ultimate trust in idols of human governments and human scheming to accomplish our ends? Well, there was a pastor many years ago who actually said this, that suffering always reveals idols of the heart. And David would not forsake the process of God for an idol of position. The question is for us, what idols have times of testing and waiting revealed in our hearts? When we're able to answer that question, we'll be able to better embrace covenant process and character. Now, when we think about these, we know that our covenant relationships help encourage us in God's order, God's process, God's character, and God's timing. These are the elements of the process that God brings out in us to shape character in us. And when we speak of the word character, biblically, it's a term used for that which has been tested by, by circumstance and proven to be both trustworthy and reliable. Trustworthy and reliable. Can that be said about you? Can that be said about me? But we have to ask ourselves the question, how does covenant relate to character in the midst of God's process that we must come to honor? Well, covenant does several things for us. Covenant provides security while we are being shaped. It provides stability while we are being challenged. Covenant provides direction when our focus is tested. And covenant provides positive and godly accountability to keep us on course. In uncertain times, it was God's covenant devotion to David that kept David steadfast while on the run from Saul. And it was David's covenant interactions with his men that helped forge the character of God in them all. And this character helped David and his men, and now it can help us, by their example, be grounded in these four things. Number one, it can help us be grounded through process in God's order. And God's order teaches us the healthy dynamics of relationships, including respecting God-given authority. Now, whether it be with a parent, a spouse, a coach, a workplace employer, or a ruling official, God has order that is to be honored despite 
leaderships imperfections. And any leader you'll ever see in any part of your life will have imperfections. But unless they are telling you to break the commands of God, their leadership is to be respected. And we must show mercy for others even while we realize there is hope for us. We must know that the same mercy we offer, offer to others, that's the type of mercy that will be shown towards us. And this is what David did for Saul, leaving the judgment of Saul in God's hands. When challenged to take Saul's life, David responded to his men by saying this, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. And we need to understand that every leader is in process. And if God has called you to be one, so are you. The question is for character to be formed. Have you done in the midst of your process? Have you done the things your leaders have already asked you to do? Things that they believe are in order to actually help develop you. Our covenant relationships help develop the character of Christ in us through the order that God gives us. And David continued to do the righteous thing, following the ways of the Lord and leading those he influenced, meaning his men, to do the same. And when you continue to make the difficult, righteous decisions, it creates an atmosphere, an environment for others to rise to godliness as well. This is how David's covenant with his men helped turn them from those who were simply known as being disgruntled, discontent, and in debt to the mighty men of King David who would actually extend his kingdom all throughout the land. And it was through David's covenant with God that David was able to display the Holy Spirit fruit of patience, which is otherwise known as long-suffering or suffering a long time. Now, how do most people, though, in the midst of their suffering, respond to authorities that mishandle them? Well, they do so by cutting their leaders down, little comment by little comment, whether it be in person, in public, or in social media, just as David cut off a piece of Saul's robe. Yet this is the sin from which David was convicted to turn. And David encouraged his men to do something different and embrace God's order. David bowed down before Saul to pay homage to Saul, respecting Saul's not behavior, not actions, but his God-given authority. And as the people of God, we must develop a culture of honor to combat the natural proclivity and human tendency to towards cynicism and the rejection of authority. Authority is almost seen as almost like a cuss word nowadays, but it's not. It's God-given and it's meant to be healthy. It is a part of God's redemptive testimony when the church of Jesus Christ is creating a culture of honor that respects God's order. Now, why is this important? It's important because just as we cannot love God who we cannot see, if we cannot love our fellow man who we can't see, on the can see rather, we are deceiving ourselves to think that we can submit to God's authority, which we cannot see if we do not respect the authorities 
which we do see. And there is a way to speak truth to powers God's way. And David had his moment of speaking truth to power in the midst of Saul, um, Saul's wickedness, in the midst of his unrighteousness. David had his moment of speaking truth to power God's way by saying this, may the Lord judge between me and you, King Saul. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. David helped his men honor God's order by maintaining the delicate balance of being vocal while remaining godly and trusting the Lord to avenge them. At the same time, and this is what people often miss, David made his intentions of peace clear to Saul. David began by acknowledging Saul's authority by saying, my Lord, the king, and then went on to say, see my father, see the corner of your robe is in my hand. For by the fact that I cut the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there's no wrong or treason in my hands. I've not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. David continually verbalized the fact that he did not want to be at odds with Saul. Thus, David did his part to bring character to God's covenant process. And number two, God's covenant process teaches us to be fully present and active while waiting for things to change. That's what we learn through covenant process. And David was not being waiting to be king to actually act and lead in the character of a godly king. But how often do we wait to do the things that are necessary in that which we feel called to do until we actually get there or are given some position to do so? Think about that in your workplace thing. I'm not going to go the extra mile and do the things that I would be do doing if I were in the C-suite until I actually get paid to do so. Well, let me tell you, with that type of attitude, you might never enter the C-suite. But David had a different mentality. And our takeaway is this, that whatever season or part of the process in which, uh, part of the process in which God has you, we need to be all in. And in the stage and season is what you find yourself, you need to act like you're going to be in that season forever. You may not be, but it provides you the confidence knowing that, God, that you gave God your all while you were there, while he had you there. And be sure of this, God makes you a promise that in Proverbs 20, uh, 12, 24, that the hands of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be subject to forced labor. And you will definitely not be promoted or see better days if you're doing a half-hearted job where you now find yourself. But when we embrace God's process, we'll also embrace part three of this where God's character teaches us how to live during the process. And the process of God helps develop the character of God, the character of Christ in your life. And we often treat character as optional but character is a non-negotiable to God. Nowadays, we have 30 plus year olds still talking about the pains of adulting and how they're not ready for it. 
Yet the transition of that ship should have sailed a long time ago. And when it hasn't, our character can be detrimental and it would have been for David and his men had David not stopped the attempt on Saul's life. There was a man named Graham Cook who actually said this, that people destroy with their character what they've built with their gift unless real transformation has occurred. And I think you could see this in our present society, thinking about several of the high-profile disruptor companies over the past several years that have had to go major, undergo major overhauls because of the reckless culture that their gifted founders created. Their founders were gifted as entrepreneurs, but because they lacked character, the entire work environment was toxic and had to be overhauled for them to be able to go forward. And it is through the tough moments of process that we learn the character that we need to actually be to be able to stand in the midst of God's covenant promises that he's making to us. You can think of it as sanctification where God's making us like Christ and almost like it almost reminds me of the movie from several years ago, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button based on F. Scott Fitzgerald's um, classic novel. And in that story, if you've not seen it, it was with Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett. Benjamin Button was born a ugly, shrivelly, pruny-looking baby, like an old man. But as he grew, he became stronger, larger, wiser, more handsome, and more beautiful to the world around him. And that's much like what the character development process that God wants to put in us is like. When we're born again, we still may look shriveled and pruny and not have a lot to offer the world around us. But what does God do? God takes us through a process to develop character in us so that we can stand in the very grace of the calling that he's bringing us into. And when we embrace this fact, we'll also embrace the fourth point that God's timing teaches us that God will put us in the places he wants us. Maybe not where we want ourselves, but God will put us in the places he wants us when both we and those with whom we are to be in relationship are ready. When David did the right thing and offered mercy to Saul, we see that Saul did not immediately turn to what was right, yet God was still working. And Saul was confronted with and momentarily acknowledged the justice of David's cause, giving ear to David. Saul acknowledged that David, uh, David as more righteous than himself and even affirmed the fact that God would make David king. David's righteousness actually de-escalated the situation and momentarily softened Saul's, um, Saul's heart towards David when Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. But don't get it twisted. Saul had no come to Jesus moment. And he did not permanently relent from the pain he was causing David and his men, but merely gave, gave David and their, his men temporary relief that day. And as you are in process, you will experience similar things. Waiting on God's timing, sometimes it might feel like you're taking one step forward and two steps back. But just remember that God is still working, his promise hasn't changed, and this is all part of the process. 
The lesson David needed to learn is that it was a matter of timing before he would be um, um, installed as king of Israel. And it will be the same for us when we see God fulfill his covenant purposes in our lives. Trusting in God's process, David developed the character to make a promise to Saul to the benefit of Saul's family, even while David was waiting on his own conditions to improve. That was the mark of a godly king. And that was only realized because David had to go through a process. And we need to learn the same lesson. Why? Because God is ultimately Lord of our process. And when we embrace the fact that he's Lord of the process, we see that for Jesus to truly be Lord of our lives beyond lift service, he must be the Lord of our covenant processes. Just as David had to learn to wait on the Lord for his promotion, so so did Jesus who would be exalted as the ruler of all the earth. Think about it. Jesus was born the ruler of all the earth, but he had a process to go through before he was um, um, uh, anointed by the Holy Spirit and then also ascended to the right hand of the Father to assume his place as ruler of all heaven and earth. In the same way, we must allow Jesus to be the Lord of the process to bring us into his covenant promises for our lives. Though David was the anointed successor of Saul, for a period of time, David had to deal with the shortcomings and failings of his predecessor. And have you ever had to do that yourself? We all have. But the truth of the matter is, is that God the Father was using this process to shape David just as the Father used Christ's condescension, which meant his humbling of himself, coming to the earth to walk amongst us, to make Jesus a merciful and faithful high priest to halt to fallen humanity. It actually says this of Jesus in the scripture in Hebrews chapter 2, that therefore he, meaning Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And again, it says in Hebrews 5, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, I need you to get this, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So just as David's faithful service to Saul was returned with murderous spite, so Jesus is often rejected by a world that he literally came to heal and save. But just as there was a day of reckoning for Saul, so there will be a day of judgment for every man and every woman to give an account to God. David trusted in this and was exalted as king, while Saul ultimately perished. 
by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus has also been declared the eternal, exalted king of the line of David, and those who oppose him will be crushed at the culmination of human history. Yet just as in the cave of the wild goat's rocks, David restrained his vengeance to cease all go free, so Jesus Christ suffered the process of God the Father's crushing at the cross for our sins that those who repent of their rebellion against God might also go free. So what are we to do with this? We're to humble ourselves. We're to humble ourselves embracing the process of God. We're to understand that there's not only covenant process, but also character that God wants to develop in us. And we're to submit to the Lord of the process. Because as we submit to the Lord of the process, we'll develop the character to bring us into God's covenant calling and his promises for our lives. But God wants to shape us through the process and not have us run from it. God wants to form us through the process and not have us look for an escape catch to go about it in an ungodly manner or a quicker manner that might actually short circuit God's purposes through your life. So I ask you to think about this and I ask you to embrace it as we embrace the word of God and will of God today. So first I wanna pray for those of you who might not have ever made a covenant with God. And you say to yourself, I know if I were to give an account to God today that I, like Saul, would perish, that I would have been judged for my sexual morality, my drunkenness, my thievery, my lying, all the sins that I can list on a sheet of paper, but I don't want it and I want to make my peace with God today. If that's you, would you start by praying this prayer with me? Almighty God, I admit to you today that I'm a sinner. And I know that I, because of my rebellion against you, deserve death and hell, but I don't want it. And I thank you that you sent Jesus, your son, to live the perfect life that I should have lived. And even through his suffering, die the death that I should have died so that I could, through his resurrection of the, from the dead, not only receive forgiveness of sins, but new life in you. God, I'm asking you to forgive me today and not only forgive me, but to make me a new creation. Would you come and make a home inside of me, giving me the power and presence of your Holy Spirit and enabling me to obey you as I proclaim you as Lord of my life today? I say, Jesus, you're good, and I thank you for your love for me. In your mighty name, amen. Now, the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. And would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life? There you can find not only resources, but also next steps of how to walk out this new covenant in God. But I also want to pray for my brothers and sisters who, you know what, you've already made a covenant with God, but you say to yourself, you know what, it's I've been in process, but it's been a hard one. And I've been discouraged at times and really tempted to throw my hands up in the air, not really trusting God and his timing, his ways for me to come into the covenant promises that he's made me. But I want to stand in faith today on those promises. If that's you, would you pray this along with me? Almighty God, I admit to you today that at times I can be weak and at times I can want to short circuit and the process that you have to form the character of Christ in me. 
so that as you do so, I can stand in the call and the anointing that you've actually placed upon my life for your glory and your purposes. But God, today I'm humbling myself before you and I ask you to help me to embrace the process that you've given me today to form me and shape me in your hand. God, I say that I trust you and I'm asking you that you would not only give me your word, but also covenant relationships that will encourage me in that process, that my hands might not grow tired, my knees might not grow weak, but instead I would rise up in faith to become all that you've created in me, me to be in the character of Christ with the strength of Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we put our trust in God in this way, that we are all in process. And as we go throughout this week, I encourage you to join our community groups again, where you can link arms with other covenant relationships who will encourage you to, to form the character of Christ in the midst of that process. So we love you. We're here to pray for you. And please do bring a friend next week who also needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ for their lives. Have a great week in the Lord. God bless you. And we'll see you then.